I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey hey, hey, into... Hey, co- wait a minute. Do you, do you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Like that? Yes, of, yes, of, yes, we do IPAs. Okay. It's, okay. It, yes. Anyway, join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, po- hey, hey, do you... Have you guys ever... Do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima... Oh. Zima... Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. The following... The following... The journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Hey, hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast, exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. back to another episode of the Voice of Survival podcast. As the introduction said, I am your host, Nate. Today joining me, I have a very special guest, the voice of Thunder Cleese from the Brack Show, Frylock from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Welcome, Carrie Means. How's it going? Hey, hey, that's a hell of an intro, sir. You do your job good. I do okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, Nate. It's going great. Well, I'm glad to have you, uh, man. How are you? How are you? How's the weather where you are? Because the weather where I am is gorgeous it's here in Georgia. Bu- it's actually bullshit here. It, uh, you know, we suffered that crazy, like, minus 50-degree wind chill stuff last week. And today it's raining, and it's like 40 degrees outside. Oh, my God. So it's, it's Oh, man, that sucks. That, but that's But, the- you know, it's... It's a balmy seventy nine here where I am sunny. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah, yeah. We well, you know, the Super Bowl was here last weekend. Yeah, did, you remember that that, that NFL? Yeah, production. Did, do you celebrate the 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 Super Bowl? When a team is in it that I want to watch play it. Okay, so what's your team? Well, uh, I live in Atlanta, so I have to root for the Falcons. You know, okay. but uh. I'm originally from St. Louis, and they just kicked the Rams out, and they went back to L.A. and ended up the Super Bowl. They lost, but still, that's a feat in itself. You know, the first season they come back from being in St. Louis, they go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. And it uh, didn't even sound right to me though. The St. Louis Rams. No. Hey, that's a nice segue, right? Yeah. I was born in St. Louis. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that. Uh, growing. I was up born in, in St. Louis. Yeah. What year were you born? What year was I born? The year of the horse. The year of the horse. Chinese zodiac. Oh goodness. Yes. Okay. That, so that you... goes uh, by whatever year you were born. I was born in nineteen. 19- <laughs> okay, the that's year... right. But you can look. You can look it up on my IMDb page. It was sixty-six. 
that's the year I was conceived. Excellent, nineteen or hatched, as some might some might say hatched. You know. Okay, and, and I'm, I'm a year younger than the Super Bowl, so you know. So when I get too old to remember how old I am, somebody asks, "Where's Super Bowl is?" That's what I'm saying. They'll say, "Well, it's Super Bowl '99." Well, I'm '98. Hey, that's a good way to remember it, I guess, right? That's what I'm telling them. And even if the game yeah, is boring, so, you still have something to celebrate. Game, it was boring. It was a snooze fest. Did you watch it? Well, parts of it, yeah. I was, eh. I'm a bear. You were jazzed about the halftime show, huh? No. Oh, heavens no. <laughs> oh, no, no. That was that was maybe anyway. worse than the game. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so what anyway. was Anyway. Go ahead. No, go ahead with your question, sir. Oh, that's why I'm here. Sure, what, sure, what, sure. What was it? I was going to ask, what was it like, um, you know, growing up in the 60s? Did you have siblings? Uh, growing up in the 60s. Well, I was born in 66, so the 60s were halfway over when I, you know, came out of the womb. So I wouldn't really say I grew up in the 60s. I would say 70s, 80s. Okay, fair point. It was my growing up period of time. So I was in on the beginning of hip-hop and, Parliament Funkadelic and all that, those, those old songs back in the day. That's why I laughed when I found Swim had cast T-Pain to play me as Frylock in that final episode. It was the last one forever and ever, they said. Yeah, the live and, uh, episode. Yeah, that was, that was T-Pain playing Frylock. And, uh, and that was right after he had just gotten all his money for creating this uh Robot voice augmenting thingy that he didn't really yeah, create. The auto tune like yeah, craze. Yeah, auto tune. That's what it was. That's what it was. But they were using that back in the seventies. You know, George Clinton and all those guys were using that voice augmenter back then. All you got to do is listen to those jams like Planet Rock and all that stuff, and you hear it. But that's that's telling my age. You are way way back. We're going back, way back to Unga Bunga days. Okay, so you... Unga Bunga Bunga. You get into talking about Parliament Funkadelic and whatnot and how, you know, you were into that music. So does that affect your love for... I was Kirk? also I was also, in the, I was also in the Queen, Billy Joe, Steve Miller oh. My sister listened to all of that, Elton John. Oh, awesome. All yes. of those groups growing up. So if, depending on what part of the house you walk through, you would hear different music. Oh, that's excellent! So you, you know, really my father had... would be my father would be playing Bob Marley one minute or some Coltrane the next, you know. Uh, so you know, jazz, blues, and I I played the trumpet when I was a little shaver back in the day. Yeah, they start you off on a French horn, that big ass horn, the French horn. You had to lug that around. Usually bigger than you. So you were a band kid too. That's excellent. And you started. No, off... not 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 necessarily band, not band, but. I was learning how to play the trumpet. Okay. I never got to the band because I transferred to another school that didn't have a music program. So that ended that. So I stopped playing the trumpet. My mother wanted me to sing in the choir once, once, once they dropped before my <laughs> before my voice changed. I sounded like my sister Karen. I'd answer the phone and be like, "Hey, baby, what you doing?" I'm like, this is the Karen. I go get her. <laughs> so- you know, and I go get her. You know. And, Talk to her, or whatever. And then when my voice changed, I had to phone her like, "Yeah, oh, oh, hello, Mister Mister, you doing?" So that was fun. Okay, so you, that, you you got into and the song that came out called Atomic Dog. Okay, when I was in like the sixth or seventh grade, right? 
Bow wow wow, you be your bass. So when my voice changed, I could do the bass line. So the the, the bass riff is always used to go bow wow wow, you be your you be a bow wow, you be your you be a. So my class would be like, can we, can we do 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 the atomic dog? You know, and I found out I could do all these voices to the administrators of the school and mimic their voices like. We had this one guy who had a very nasally voice. He get him the PA. Andre Reynolds had the office, and I could do his voice pretty good, like Smithers on the, the Simpsons. That's what we remind you of when he would talk. But there was no Simpsons out there back in the early 80s, you know, when I was in high school or whatnot. But anyway, that's the thing, man. These schools are getting shut up now. Well, I went to high school in the 80s in St. Louis, right? Pretty rough neighborhood by any standards today and then as well. And uh, we were greeted with the wines every morning, with the, you know, metal detector wines. Every morning, before you walked in, you couldn't get past the security guard without being waved with one of those wines looking for weapons. And that was in the 80s when I went to school. Mr. Price actually went to my high school, not at the same time as I did. I'm not that old. But, uh, yeah, are you still there? Yes, I'm still there. I'm just listening oh, to this lovely story. You're awfully quiet. No, I was... Uh, you're awfully quiet. I, I, I was too... I was like, what happened? Did he die? Did he croak? I did not croak. <laughs> I've not yet done that on the on an interview. Okay. No. I was thinking about it, and it's just like, it's crazy to think about having the stress of not being in the best neighborhood influencing you while also, I mean, because there's a lot of pressures in... Well, I, let me tell you. Early in the morning or when I come home in the afternoon, cartoons were always on TV. I was influenced by Mel Blank. I call him my Uncle Mel. I got another Uncle Mel, Mel Brooks. I was influenced by him. You know, those old Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis movies, Abbott and Costello, uh, Marx Brothers, Three Stooges, Curly, Team Curly, Excellent. only the Three Stooges, you know what I'm saying? I got some of the DVDs sitting around my house now. I pop them in every now and then. That's funny. I just watched inspiration. Uh, I just watched a uh, Three Stooges uh, bit last night. It was uh, I cannot remember which episode it was. One of them was trying to eat clam chowder, and the clam was biting back at them. Oh yeah, the clam always. The, I love it when the inanimate objects go after them, like the sandwich. You see the olives be eyes, and the sandwich and the, the, the pickles with the tongue or whatever the hell. So you utilize. You utilize television as a, as really as a beautiful well, escape. When I found out Mel Blank did all these voices, see the thing is, they think just people just think Mel Blank just was like automatically Bugs Bunny. That ain't the way it went. You know, he knocked on Warner Brothers Studios doors for about three years, and they kept slamming the door in his face. You need any voice talent? No, slam. Need any voice talent? No, slam. You know, they kept slamming the door in his face. Finally, the guy who was slamming the door in his face finally croaked. True story. Finally passed away. That always gets to laugh when I make cons and I tell that story. Yeah, people. <laughs> I don't. I don't even say croak, and I say die. And people <laughs> in the audience just laugh. I'm like, why do y'all think that's funny? People are cruel, <laughs> and they're like, he got you what know, he deserved. They laugh at that part, and I, you know. And I'm like, wow, it always amazes me that people laugh at that. But anyway, you didn't. And I said croaked. I was trying to get a laugh out of you, but <laughs> I couldn't. You're you're a tough crowd. Oh no! I'm you, just... Take my wife. Take my wife. My wife may have you know a little, little bronchitis or something. She went to the doctor. Man, that's to check on her condition. She been working nonstop though. You know, if if she ain't working on her day job on the phone, she's working with me. I feel like you know helping me set stuff up like this, uh, auditions, 
because I got a home studio now, and I built that up. You know what I'm saying? It's not as hard as you think, kids, to do this. Y'all, some of y'all out there know how easy it is now. It's not easy to do it, but it's easy to get into it. Doing the voiceover stuff it involves and entails a lot of reading aloud. If you're a bit of a class clown, you could fit right in to this business. Uh, I'm not just. I'm not saying that go pull prank on somebody or nothing like that. I'm just <laughs> saying that uh, do some improv. Go to some improv classes. Not necessarily theater, but hang around theater people. Okay. Sitting on some of the improv skits and participate because it's top of your head. A lot of this stuff comes right off the cuff. You know what I'm saying? They'll they throw a script in front of you nine times out of ten that you've never seen in your life. They say, go, we want the character to sound like this. And you don't have time to come up with nothing but the voice. You know what I'm saying? You can reference, sometimes you get a reference to what somebody sends you. They send you a reference and you go from there. Most of the time you don't get a reference. You know, you just have to, like Frylock, man, I, I tell you how I did it for that. I, I moved here in 93. Let me fast forward my life a little bit there. Yeah, I started singing in the choir when I was in high school. You got on TV and stuff like that. I wasn't singing the church choir, though, growing up in St. Louis. My mother begged me to sing in the church choir. I was like, that's for square. That's for nerds. That's what I was saying to myself. But I was a huge-ass <laughs> nerd. I just didn't realize it. Because I was reading all those comic books, like the first Secret Wars that came out. Yeah. And all that. That's what Spider-Man got the symbiote suit. Heck yeah. Now that's a lot of people don't realize. They think, they think it came from a meteorite. No, it didn't. It came from another planet. True, but Secret Wars number it. eight, baby. What's up? Yeah, yeah. This and then there was a suit. I think Mike Zek did the cover. I saw some blurb somewhere where he's gonna be at some kind. Yeah, that that's Mike Zek's art. Mike Zek did a hell of a cover too with Captain America. I think it was Zek, if I'm not mistaken, uh he had a Uzi. And he was just spraying. Oh yeah, I remember Uzi. that cover. I used that cover as an art project. Really? When I was in college. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I had, we had to do a shading, pencil shading project. Yeah, I was a commercial art major in college. See, I'm mousing all around here. So maybe you can edit this together later. <laughs> it's okay. Let the, We let the conversation flow naturally. So we'll get I was, to I was a commercial art major in college, right? So I don't know if you've seen my posts on Facebook where I post sometimes original pieces of artwork that I've done, Aqua Teen theme stuff. Yes, I have, actually. Uh, the last... The last one had the Aqua Teens. Everybody had like a joint or a blunt in their mouths or something like that. That went out to my boy, Gert B. Frobe. I love it. That was awesome. That was actually his. He, he wanted a, he wanted the marijuana-themed Aqua Teen uh, poster, so. <laughs> you said, sure thing. Let me accommodate yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He paid his hard-earned money for it, so, you know. Which, by the way, if somebody wants to order something from me, check me out on Messenger or Facebook. I just added a new photo or two, some new pics. One is Carl with the Aqua Teens in the pool. He's standing by the pool, probably about to say, get the hell out of my pool. <laughs> but, you know, I started off doing bumps, what they call uh, just sound bites for uh, different shows on Cartoon Network. I, I managed to come out. Funny story, how I got my agent. I was doing plays. I was doing theater here. I did a lot of theater here when I first came to Atlanta. I came here in 93 from St. Louis right after I graduated from college. I spent about a year and a half bopping around St. Louis doing a little theater here, a little theater there, just trying to see what I'm going to do next. And my buddy talked me into moving to Atlanta. He got everything here means, you know, that year the Super Bowl was coming here too. 
Yeah, I moved here. Wow, that's cool. But the Falcons were playing in that one. The Falcons played in that one and lost. But, yeah. Yeah, that year I moved here, man, and started doing musical theater and theater and theater, theater, theater. My first autograph I signed, I played a, a, a Walter the Loose Goose. It was like some other goose tales we put music to. And, you know, have you ever seen these troops that go through these elementary schools and sometimes high schools? Yeah. And do like a 15-minute show uh, just for the kids. From other, I don't know why they booked high schools. That was always awkward. Yeah, because the high schoolers whenever, are a hard Whenever sell. we went to the high school kids, they'd just be sitting there like, okay, this is for kids. And I'm sitting there like, yes, it is. But they would sit there and watch it. But you know what I'm saying? But it was it was crazy. First autograph I had when I was doing that show, some little kid came up to me with his father. Like, can I get your autograph? I was like, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> you know, it was cool. That's but, you know, that's was, wild. And I've I've done the Rent Fair, the Renaissance Festival. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. Yes, absolutely. Bristol's not well, too far from here. So. Talk like Thor. They all talk like Thor. Thee, thou, and thus, fair maiden. Now you shall save you from the dragon. And you drink mead, or damn whatever. It. Mead. Well, they must be had hard cider. Yeah, that was that was the one that was for me. They had some type of hard cider on tap. At the end of the day, you do the dirty pub scene with Naughty Nelly Peach Bottom. She know who she is. If she hears this. <laughs> she didn't have a peach bottom too. It was George Gale. Oh wow! Nice. But I didn't get no. I didn't get friendly with her. Or nothing like that. I, I was focused on the mission. Being so rich, you'll do good, the most cheapest man in all the land. That was my role. I stole that from an old ham director I had back in St. Louis. Uh, and he uh, was from the west side of Chicago, six foot five, African-American male. And he talked like this, Kenny, give me more feeling with that. Devil Maximilian Robinson. Yeah, every day, every day, all day, twice on Sunday. So I took that persona and Ran around the rent fair here in Atlanta with that back in 95. Then I started, you know, uh, like I said, when I was doing theater, this girl kept coming late to rehearsals. It's like, I just came for an audition. Uh, my agent booked me for this. And I was like, who's your agent? So she hooked me up with a pretty decent agent. Rona Burns is her name. She's semi-retired now. But, you know, if you Google her, she might respond. She might be taking on new talent. I don't know. Burns Agency out of... Uh, North Carolina. That was a great but soft anyway. plug. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soft plug. That's 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 the only thing soft on me. So plugs. <laughs> but anyway, so I started doing bumps for Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z. I think I was the person that told everybody about Goku's death the first time Goku died. I think Goku, Goku died a couple times. Anyway, I was doing Samurai Jack announcements. I was the announcer for the first incarnation of Samurai Jack. On the next Summer Jack, check it to the so that and the other. Tune in. That was me doing those. If you remember the first time Summer Jack came around. Yeah, that's I was doing I was doing the announcing for it for the show. And anyway, some production assistant, at least at the time he was a production assistant, heard me doing these uh, you know, bumps and announcing for Summer Jack. He ran a Matt Malero and Dave Willis, the co creators of Aquatine. He was like, Get it, this Carrie Means guy. He'd be perfect for this show that you're doing about these food products, this box of fries you want to cast and all that. So I was working for a market research firm in uh, the northern part of Atlanta, Sandy Springs, called Booth Research. I can say the name now because it's defunct, no longer. Ah. 
in effect. No longer active business. But we laid the groundwork for a lot of stuff that we use and do now, like cell phones and uh, cable. We did a survey. I remember we did a cable survey. It lasted, It could last up to an hour. And I would tell people, you know, we're going to put your name in a hat for a drawing of $500 if you participate. And most of them would say, yeah, it was really crazy. So, you know, questions would be like, what, what would you uh, think if you could fast forward, rewind, pause live television huh. in a few years? Think you'd be able to do that? Do you think in 10 years they want to have a cell phone? Highly likely, somewhat likely, Extremely unlikely. So you can imagine I got hung up on a lot. Yeah, people, you know, people were having her. their dinner. Yeah, but just those questions alone, you know, we're doing that. Everybody has a cell phone now. You can pause, fast forward, and rewind live TV now. And we were laying the groundwork for this stuff back then. We were doing the surveys, like you know, uh, what's that other one? Or Gallup polls. It was like that. It was just questions. And the, people the job were responding, was pretty key. gave you actual responses. You yeah, that's that's back. That's back when the when the, when the uh, Monica Lewinsky thing was going on. Oh, and the OJ trial. That's why I was working for that market research firm. I worked there for like seven years. Oh, excellent. And, and, and they fired me, and I couldn't get my unemployment from good old Georgia. Well, that's rude. I was like, wow, you work for seven years, you can't even get a pity check every week. You know what I'm saying? It's like they blocked me, but. I learned a lot, and I auditioned for Frylock in the break room. Back in the day, kids, there was these things called fax machines. They made a funny noise. <laughs> what the internet used and to sound like. Digital stuff used to come over the phone. And, yeah, that's why I got the rabbi script. Fax machine. The booth research, and I'm in the break room. Going, no, people, I don't get a jam box. And I'm like, what is this crap? I'm not going to get this guy. You know, I'm not getting this gig. It came down to me and one other guy, and the other guy was too droll, too boring, too dull to become Frylock. And so I became the floating box of French fries with laser beam eyes, Jack. That's that's And crazy. the rest, as they say, is history. And then I was doing Thunderclays around the same time. When they, find out, when they find out I was classically trained, you know, Shakespeare and all that, and, Doing, I sang with the Atlanta Opera Chorus, the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra Chorus, respectively, here in Atlanta. Been on the Fox Theater stage a few times. So I've been around the, you know, performance circuit here in the city. And it's it, that's what prepared me for doing the voiceover thing, really. It's, uh, a, it's just a, being on stage, being on stage and singing and performing in front of a live audience. Nothing like, it's the biggest rush, it's the biggest drug for me. I need to get back into doing some theater because it's, it's so gratifying. It just doesn't pay much unless you're on Broadway or off-Broadway or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But here, it doesn't really justify the means. Now, back then, back in then when I was in my 20s and stuff, I was running around doing all those plays in those schools and stuff. Yeah, that was fun. 20s and 30s. And I'm, I'm an old man. No, I can't be running, running all over the place. Unless you pay me some Hollywood money, I could <laughs> do my own stunts like Tom Cruise and John Wick. Oh, you know they in their fifties; they still doing it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you know this is fifty is the new forty, thirty. It seems it seems to be the case. 
I mean, people seem to be getting younger. I was going to ask you, though, you were talking about doing musical theater and whatnot. One thing I know that I looked up, and I, and I want to discuss it, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about it. You did South Pacific. With Robert Goulet. Oh, how was that experience? And Paige O'Hara. Paige O'Hara, the voice of Belle from the original Disney adaption of Beauty and the Beast. What was that experience like for you? She was quite taken with my voice, and uh, at the time, I only had a little rinky-dink cassette demo uh, for voiceover, because it was it was the 90s, man. Yeah, you had to do it. On voice, the- voiceover stuff was not happening here much at all, or anywhere, really, at the time, except for L.A., you know what I'm saying? And it's still the place to be. Now, they've branched out to Texas, doing a lot of video game stuff out there and stuff, but then... At that time, you know, she was quite taken with my voice. And this is just like, you know, the voice of Belle from Beauty and the Beast cartoon. It's like, wants to hear more of me. So I sent her a little rinky-dink garbage. Oh, man, it was, if I heard it now, I'd be so embarrassed. I don't know why they didn't call me. Where have I sent it to? <laughs> yeah, but you got to start somewhere. I mean. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Well, you know, some of the greatest comedians have bombed. And they'll tell you when and where. You know, Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that you brought up him, Jay. He's one of my favorite basketball players of all time. So. Uh, uh, yeah, Jordan's story is incredible. Not worthy to play basketball. Goes to North Carolina. Becomes a machine. What's, what's incredible <laughs> What's incredible is this teammate who was trying to uh, protest during the Rodney King trials and Jordan at, at the finals. And Jordan and Magic was like, uh-uh. He was like, come on, man. Magic was like, it's too extreme. And Jordan was like, she crazy. I didn't give up my shoe deal. <laughs> it was, man. It was, it was during the Rodney Kings. I can't remember the guy's name. He was like the second highest scorer on the team right behind Jordan. He's like master the three-point shot. Oh, was that uh, I can't BJ Armstrong, maybe? I think so. Something like that. But they got rid of him, man, because of that shit. Man. They got rid of him shortly after he was trying to, like, you know, do a Colin Kaepernick before Colin Kaepernick was doing the Colin Kaepernick, basically. Well said, yeah. You know, that goes back to the Olympics where they put the power fist gloves on and, you know, when they won the gold in the track and field, they were, they were protesting injustice then. You know what I'm saying? This ain't nothing new. I don't know why people are flipping out saying this is some new shit. You know what I'm saying? It's just, um, it's, I think... And then you know, Big Boy ought to be shot for... Coming on with that old nasty ass sixteen bars of that garbage ass song. I like the way you move him sleepy brown up there for thirty seconds. I'm like It wasn't very good. I love Big Boy. I don't mean to diss him. He's an AT alien. I live in Atlanta. He's cool. He's got a little solo album out. He could have done something from that, but it was basically the Maroon Five show with guest stars. Big boy and that other boy, whoever the fuck he yeah, was. I didn't know who the other guy was either. I don't know. I guess I'm out of the loop. There's too many mumble rappers around. Yes. Another topic we could... And it's be the same line over and over. I'm like, okay, that's innovative. That's original. Whatever happened to lyricism? What happened to style? Finesse. Where my lyricists at? Where's Method Man? Where's the Ice Cube? What the hell going on? 
There's only, you know, there's only a few modern guys that I think are lyricists, like Hobson, uh, Joyner Lucas is another great example. See, you know more about it than I do. I'm way out of the loop. I don't know. know Th- those two specifically. You know, I'm old school. Eminem. <laughs> hey, Eminem's uh, amazing as well, but you, you grew up in the era of, like, hip-hop being born into the world. You saw the, the yeah, inception Yeah, I see the ups and downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I, I mean, told myself in the early nineties, I said, No, I'm not gonna be a rapper. There's too many of them already. I do something else. I should have been a rapper. I'd probably be a uh, Oscar winner. I'd probably be an EGOT right now. Okay. If I'd have started rapping back in the, I'm not just, you know, saying, but the last season of Aquatine I wrote my own lyrics for the uh, intro. I don't know if you remember the very last season we did. Was that the Aqua um Aqua TV show? Hunger Force Forever No. That wasn't the last one. Force Forever. It was Aqua Teen Hunger Force Forever. Yeah, that was the last one. That was season 11, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, they killed me off. There's two alternate finales. One where, excuse me, one where Frylock dies and one where he lives. And uh, they're on YouTube and Hulu and all over the damn place, man. You can find them. If you haven't seen them, check them out. That's got to be a weird experience, too, to be a voice of a character beloved by so many people who... Man, look, I've heard so many stories and so many uh, from so many perspectives. People telling me that I've got them through some of the toughest times in their lives. Those are the really touching ones. People who come up to me at certain kinds that I've done... uh, Back to back in years, and the next year they're not there anymore. The person who was with him was like, "Oh, uh, you know, he was dying of cancer anyway. He just wanted your autograph before he left here, and stuff like that, man. You know, to really tug at the old heartstrings. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I have to sit back and realize that uh, I was. It was just more than just doing the box of floating French fries voice with laser eyes. It was something that touched so many lives." It I'm, was crazy. I mean, you guys did. And I didn't realize, I don't realize it. You don't realize it until the people actually come up to you and tell you this. You know what I'm saying? It's not, I'm not making this up. People have come up to me and told me this. And I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's, I've had 10 year olds, nine and 10 year olds come up to me and tell yeah, I know that show. I'm like, what? <laughs> show's older than you, kid. <laughs> what your parents say? Why'd they let you watch? I mean, I guess it, the, and that's a great segue. Mommy, right there. I'm like, naughty mommy, naughty, naughty mommy. <laughs> hey, I can't control who watches the show. No. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I can't I think... control who watches the show. I still don't know how we got away with uh, Dickerson. I don't know how we got away with that one. I mean, I you think you guys one. were innovative for the time and definitely pushing the limits for the time. And and that's a great but question. You know, now, I don't we put know. Out, if... we, put out, we put out a video game. We put out a video game. For PS2. Yeah, I have it. It, it was the called Zombie game. Ninja Pro-Am. You know that the the video games ratings board wanted to give that game an A for adult rating. What? When it first came out. <laughs> yeah, somebody told me this. A good friend of mine was like, yeah, they wanted to get his game an A rating. I was like, man, so you have you beaten the game? Have you played through it all the way? N- no, it's just a game in my collection. It's one of the many things. I'm a video <laughs> game collector at heart, so it's just one okay. of the things I collected along the way. It's wow. it's on the list to eventually play. Yes, it's a v- you're a video game collector. Yes, sir. So, th- how many video game systems do you have in your house? 
Uh, I own almost all the major systems except for like the Sega Saturn and the Jaguar. Man, your electric bill must be a bitch. Uh, no, I don't keep them on all the time, and I don't play them no, all the time. I'm just kidding once. with you. No, no, no. I got my PS3 sitting on top of my PS4. Oh, that's awesome. Right here. My PS3 died, tragically. Well, well, I had a backwards compatible PS3. It was the big, bulky black ones, if you remember those. Yeah, that was mine, too, it was, and it died. It was one of those. Yeah, man, it died easily. But, see, I've, I've been wanting the backwards compatible ever since they started this crap, when you got to uh, change all your games when a new version comes out. It's the button Oh, it's like when it's all this. It's like when it's all don't get me started. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't want you to join PlayStation Plus to play online now. I'm like, I ain't doing that. Not for sixty. PS3. I didn't have to uh, uh, join PlayStation Plus to play online. Why y'all doing this to me? Screw that. Uh, Y'all ain't getting that money. If I want, if I want to, no, no. (laughs) They re-released the PS1. Yeah, the PS1 Classic is strange. I'm like, why don't they just make a backwards compatible PS5? The next PS whatever should be backwards compatible. If it can read a disc, it should read all of the previous PlayStation Go all the way back to one. Correct. So that 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 would be worth every penny. I would run to the store and buy it. I I really would fully. Uh, So that's the only that's the only thing they need to do. And they don't instead of making new models, just get the upgrade. You know, get your upgrade with it. And keep it, keep it. Hell PS yeah. Infinity. Yeah, you can have PS4 ever, <laughs> right? PS4 ever. Yeah, or whatever. You know, it's going to be a five. So, you know, you got to name it something snazzy. You know, five. Just PS5. It, it rolls PS5, off the PS5, and you can backwards compatible, make it backwards compatible. Uh, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> okay, so I want to uh, ask you, we're talking about people who come up to you and, and have all these nice things to say and what it means to you, and that has to be weird because to you, the moments of creating Aqua Teen are behind a booth, in a booth, behind a microphone, with the directors, maybe with some of the other guys in the cast, possibly, and it's it's you doing work. It isn't this, like you said, the same as these people who have moments in their lives that are impacted by this television show you're a part of. So it definitely has to be strange to reflect on. Yeah, I remember sitting in the booth recording almost all these episodes. Yeah, I do actually, uh, almost. But I've met some fans who remember each and every detail of each and every episode ever. Oh, that's also going to be terrifying. It's interesting because I mean, even you these, don't these, know all this stuff. The 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 no, I don't. The fans know the show better than I do. Trust me, believe it. They do. What you remember? Episode blah blah blah. When you were blah blah blah, I was like, no, but you do. Apparently, you got video footage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What were you thinking when this and that and this? I'm like, look, kid, I just showed up and read the script. That's a lot of, that's a misconception that people think we're all in one big room. Like, I think McFarlane might do that for Family Guy or whatever, but we don't do that. We only did that for the commentary, behind the scenes stuff. You know, when we're commentating on what you're watching or something like that. Or the the little movie vignettes that we did. That was the only time we got, all got together. And they usually fly in Dana Snyder, Master Shake in from some other 
place on the continent. So you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So see, but and and that's that's a that's a great lead in because, as you said, most people think it's everybody in one room, and you guys are like feeding off the nah. energy. You guys were not even for the movie. It was this the movie to me was like one long episode. You were just you know, in the saying, booth doing it was, lines. Uh, yeah, it was doing what we normally do. And I never see the script until I go into the booth nine times out of ten. You know, some some people are kind of diva-ish. What I mean by that is, is I must see the script two days or a week before I do it. I couldn't make those type of demands. They're like, look, can you be in the studio uh, Thursday, three-court, for Aguatine, 10 o'clock? Yeah, I'll be there. But see, now it's a lot different now because, you know, a lot of people got home studios. Include myself. I got a home studio now. So I don't even have to go pay for studio time to go do auditions. They can just send me the copy. The one when we do the auditions, just send it to me. And I send it back whatever format they want it. Bada bing, bada boom. From the I comfort of your home. Yeah. I have to beautiful. get out of my pajamas. But that's how it is now. But it wasn't like that then. Like back in the 90s, I had to go to a studio. I went to a studio called Cat's Paw. You walk in there, you record. And the engineer was quite taken with me. He was like, yeah, this, me and one other guy, they call us soul brother number one and soul brother number two. Because <laughs> they, they're white guys who can do black voices. Okay. And he was telling me this in confidence, you know, and I was making my demo, my VO demo, you know, and uh, he was telling me this stuff. And he was like, he was like yeah, yours came out better than most of our commercials. Let me do. I'm like, I should have asked him for some work right then and there. I was dumb. Right? So what's up? Give me a job. Yeah, like let's get this started. Where's the pay? Like let's do this. See, I was green though. I didn't know nothing about nothing. I just knew I had to make a demo to get voiceover work. I didn't think about working locally or working. You know what I'm saying? I was, yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking about that at the time, but I should have been because I almost um, was a DJ at my college. Lake University, back when you could fill out the FCC card and send it off and they send your FCC notification back that you're in the FCC. Now it costs thousands of dollars. That's what people say. Why don't you join SAG? I'm like, you got 3000 bucks? For real? That's expensive. I joined SAG. Sure. I had 3G. It's more in Alabama. There's a guy who can't get, who had an uh, active friend of mine. I'm not going to say who he is. I do know his name. But he lives in Alabama, but it, most of his work is, you know, SAG gigs in Georgia. But he had to join the Alabama division to get into SAG in Georgia, and it cost him like four or $4,500. Whoa. Yeah. And, and it only cost you like twenty six, twenty seven hundred here. It just, uh, it just, I feel like they make you guys go through some loops and hoops for no reason. But I'm like this. If I if I land another gig like Firelock, sure, I joined SAG then. But that was paying like great when it ended. But when it started, it wasn't even paying seven hundred an episode. Yeah. I was lucky if I got seven hundred an episode when it first started. You know, same thing with Thunder Queen's the show. That was like five eighty per episode back when it started. Yeah. I mean, it's and a- no residual. No residuals, no no kickback, nothing from nothing DVD on the back sales end. or any of the merch no, sales. No. See, that's and I heard the same year they canceled us in 2016. Aquatine started airing in Australia, so there's an Aquatine, there's an adult swim in Australia that started airing Aquatine, 
the same year they canceled us in 2016. They was like, it was like, yeah, Carrie, we got something to tell you. I was like, what? Well, this is Matt and Dave, the co-creators of the show. We, we're going to be canceled. I was like, what? And they did it kind of craftily because they waited till after I recorded for the episode that I was, they called me in for. Oh, man. I wonder how that recording would have gone had they told me before I walked in the booth. Oh, would you have done it, I like, guess? Yeah, I would have done it. Yeah, I mean, would have been a different recording, though. I will tell you that. You, yeah, maybe <laughs> they would have got some ad libs. They would have had to delete. <laughs> <laughs> Letting some of your so, frustrations fly. There was very, it was very uh, Freudian of them to wait until after I had recorded the session to tell me we're being canceled. So I was like, "Ooh, I know what we can do. This is me looking them right in the eyes and tell them." We go to another network, like uh, Family Guy, Futurama. They don't want us back. They both looked at me square in the face and said, we don't own it. Ugh. Talk about talk about the Three Stooges. I want to give them a most slap right across both their faces right there. there. Go for the iPad, too, uh, the, man. The, 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 the Mo in me wanted to come out right there. <laughs> but, see, Ted Turner got some hella lawyers, and they're smooth and fast talkers. That's all I got to say about that. You got to think how the young they were when they signed those contracts to get the green light to do the show. Correct. They didn't know what they you were know signing what I'm away. Like Prince, when he was 17, and Warner Brothers was like, you're great, kid. We're going to get you that purple Cadillac. We're going to get your mom that new house. Just sign this. It'll be an encyclopedia thick. Don't worry about reading it right now. You know, just sign it. You know, then when he wanted to break away and be do his own thing. And it was like, oh, we own you. We own Prince. We own the image. We own the name. We own the rights. That's why he put Slave on his face and changed his name to a symbol yep. when he released the, that album and won his name back in, in the court of law. That, that's what had to happen because they did. They owned him. And when they told me that, I was like, okay, we're done then. Yeah, you no, know, people ask me all the time, is Aqua Teen going to come back? I was like, this up to the fans. You know what I'm saying? They have to make a loud enough noise to Adult Swim to bring it back. Matt Malero and Dave Willis, they wrote a sequel to the movie I heard called something, something Game, Death Game or something like that. I can't remember the actual title. But uh, something about Death Game Tournament 3000, some shit. You know, they come up with crazy stuff. Of course. And uh, they were going to start a Kickstarter for it. But it fizzled out. They just said, screw it. And then Adult Swim is going to uh, let us do some, uh, well, you know, like those old Rankin Bass, Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay. The specials. And he's come on, he's gonna, yes, Carl, but a lot, a lot of Lusky. There is a Santa Claus. And so like, they was going to do a few specials with the Aqua teams, and they would have turned that down. But I kind of don't blame them for that because that's kind of like dang on a carrot. It, you're cheapening. Say, the, yeah, and then, you know, hit the road, guys. We're done with you, you know what I'm saying? After that, it's nothing else. So he's like, screw that. We ain't doing it. See, I, I, don't, I ain't mad at him about that. Now, they told me I'm bringing our show back. That was, that was another thing. But no, but it's up to the fans, man, to rally and try to make it happen before <laughs> before it's too late, Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, time is... Uh, Always ticking. I mean, we've, we've already lost Clay Kroger, the late, great Clay, my buddy, fellow artist, 
hell of a thesaurus when it comes to anything comic book or, or most you know genre film related, anything like that. He was the voice of uh, Doctor Weird and Steve and Zorak yep. and Moltar. He designed Fry Like a Meatwad. Oh man! Sometimes I sit back and think about how bad I might have felt that Adult Swim did me, which they really didn't compare to Quay. They did him pretty bad, you know what I'm saying? But but that's just that's that, you know what I'm saying? It goes back to like what I was just talking about. But I don't got nothing against nobody over there. I don't really know nobody over there no more. My phone don't ring from that uh for those offices anymore. But that may change soon. Who knows? Yeah, you never we'll know, see. man. Who's in power? Uh, I tell you, the, the that's I've, changed. Yeah. That's changed a lot. Yeah, I would say the thing that could, you know, talking about what we have in the modern era, your your 2019 and how shit works now or whatever. I think for me, the thing that would be really awesome is if somehow Adult Swim comes to terms and releases Aqua Teen to like say a Netflix where you guys can really give that show your 100% without having the censorship worry. Because I feel like while you guys were trailblazers then, now if... Oh, you you remember the episode about standards and practices where they had the nun get decapitated and the rainbow came out of her? Yeah, instead of blood, absolutely. Instead of blood. (laughs) Yeah, we touched on that then. I mean... Standards and practices, acceptable, unacceptable, or whatever. So, I mean, I guess... But, you know, that's what was so amazing to me about Dickerso. Even the one where they rainbow pixelated all the dicks, Wongberger was still a dick. Yep. He was still a dick. His feet were balls. You know what I'm saying? His body was a shaft. His arms were pubes. His head was a tip. <laughs> they didn't pixelate him. No. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> Cutting edge, you guys were cutting edge. It's funny for, that you mentioned for a long time. I'm, I'm telling you a little, a little sidebar of this. For sure. a long time, uh, on my IMDb page, it said Dick Means, <laughs> and it pissed my. At, at the time, my girlfriend, now she's my wife, who she called me during this interview, by the way, and I feel pretty bad because I didn't put your whole hands on the phone. I hope she was okay. Love you, baby. But anyway, she was infuriated by this, and I was like, No, baby, no, baby, no. All they got to do is put the word B-I-G in front of it. It means, you know, I'm cool with death. There you go. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> like, no, no. The reason why was some intern or some captioner for IMDb, I guess. I'm, I'm going to just blame it on the intern. It was like, oh, he's named Dick Me. Looked at the credits for Dick or so, I guess, one of the shows. And that was that was the one he looked up because if you look at the credits for Dick Episode, everybody, everybody's name is Dick Means, Dick Snyder, Dick Willis. Brendan Smalls made a cameo in that. Dick, He's Dick, Dick Smalls. Yep. <laughs> of course. Oh, that's a funny mishap well, on IMDb. Yeah, for a while it was. I was listening to Dick Means, and they finally fixed it. But I'm like, that's the only thing I can figure. Some. A hole didn't know any better. Found the credits for one of the episodes. Oh, he dick means that's his name. But it's like that is. But you know, yeah, it was it's a trip. It's a trip. It's a trip. How much time we got left? Are we done yet? Or no, we man. I talk I've, about some I, more. I have a few more questions. If you'll take them, uh, you know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm listening. 
Talking about your time doing voice work, you, you did Thundercleese, you did the thing for Samurai Jack, you did bumpers for countless different television shows that were... Whatever it was on at the time, yeah, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, across, whatever, whatever. Across the board, was there ever a um, an audition or a role that you did uh, aspire to get that you didn't get that you've always looked back as like a damn it? If I would have just landed this one X roll shredder from the Ninja Turtles, hell, I don't know. Like, whatever it was. Was there anything like that that ever got left on the table? Not yet. Not yet, really. But I did try to get a Christmas-themed Boost Mobile commercial that uh, Steve Ushimi got instead of me. Oh, so, damn it. And they wanted me to do it. And they wanted me to do it in a like voice. And I swear to God, it's the only audition in my life that I ever got paid for. Whoa! And you know, they sent me a check. I guess the guys felt bad. They thought I nailed it, and I guess the muckety mucks at the company went with Bushimi. Anyway, he's a gingerbread man, and his son wants a, a Boost mobile phone. He's like, "Well, yeah, why don't people stop eating my house?" <sighs> you know, he's like trying to fix his gingerbread house, and it, I used to see it like every year, like every Christmas. Ever since the audition, I would see it. And I was like, man, I guess he needed the money more than I did. I don't know. But but those guys that I auditioned for, they was like, yeah, do it like Friday. Like, and I did it. And I didn't get it. And they sent me a check for it. So I was like, okay. On the one hand, I lost a hell of a gig to Steve Buscemi. On the other hand, they sent me a check for an audition. That never happened before. Getting paid. That's cool. And, and like I was the voice of the Honda Element car when they came out with those tricked out uh, Honda Elements to oh. compete with the Scion. You know, they had these uh, spots where the car was talking to a moose or a rat outside of a nightclub. And I was the voice of the car. And they had other people doing the voices of the animals and inanimate objects or whatever I was talking to. That was back in 06 or something like that, I think, back in the day. That was pretty lucrative because I was getting checks from that. Residuals, you know. When I was doing that show on Nickelodeon, Welcome to the Wayne which I don't know what happened to. It was nominated for an Emmy and didn't win. And it was it it, it it had some pretty good legs underneath it, I thought. Myself, Dana Snyder, Dave Willis was in it. And it was basically the Aqua Teens toned down for the kiddies on Nickelodeon. My character's name was Jonah Bishop and sounded uh, suspiciously like Frylock. <laughs> Dana, Snyder's, Dana Snyder's character's name is Wendell Wasserman, who's basically a little mini Dana Snyder running around cartoon world who uh, attacks vampires with spoons that he controls telepathically. And uh, Dave Willis is the doorman, George. You sounds like Carl. Hey, welcome to the way. <laughs> a lot of people likened it to Gravity Falls. I guess they were saying it was like a rip of Gravity Falls or whatever, but I, I've never even seen Gravity Falls. I don't know. But neither, We had old girl. I think we had the girl who was uh, like, Ash Ketchum from Pokemon was in it. Oh, Victoria Taylor? I think she was uh, one of the main characters in it. But it was was a pretty good show. We only got like two and a half, maybe three seasons out of it. And I talked to the guy who created it. He wanted basically wanted the Aqua Teams to be in his show. He was a fan growing up. Him and his brother would sit and watch it. And uh, this is him telling me this, man. He he went full fanboy mode on me when I first talked to him on the phone. He was like, yeah, I want y'all to be in my show. And I was like, okay. So he had me doing all kind of stuff. I had to uh, do Sigmund Freud's voice in one episode. What? That's awesome. 
yeah, yeah. He called me up and said, why don't you do Sigmund Freud? And I was like, okay. First thing I thought was, what does Sigmund Freud sound like? You know what I'm saying? I know he was German. Yeah. That much I know, but the cadence of his voice and the pitch of it, I didn't know none of that. So I had to, me and my my wife now, the time she was my girlfriend, we researched what Sigmund Freud was sound like. She found this old beat up video, you know, looked like it's from real to real. I'm sitting there Freud interviewing somebody, but it was too grainy. You couldn't understand what he was saying. So we did the best thing, the next best thing that is, and researched it through Star Trek The Next Generation when Data was having problems with emo- his emotion chip. Oh, that's clever. And he went to Sigmund Freud on the holodeck. I think it was a Tasha Yar episode or whatever when he, you know, got busy with Tasha Yar. And he was talking to Sigmund Freud in the holodeck about it. So that's when I got located to Sigmund Freud. That's very clever. Yeah. Actually. Like- yep. So one of the... One of the characters from the Wayne has a line that's talking about, there's something going on deep in the bowels of the Wayne. And Sigmund Freud is sitting on a park bench with an earshot. And he goes, you said the bowels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's weird. And that was it. That was the whole line. That was that was it. But I still wanted to get his voice down. You yeah, know what I'm saying? You're not going to go into it half cocked and just do, say whatever. I can do whatever voice. Uh, another Freudism. Freudism half cocked. Ah, very, very good. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> totally unintentional. No pun there. There was a, that was not uh, by. Well, any, you know, any, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop them when they come by. Otherwise, they fly right over your head, boy. You're right. Foghorn Leghorn. Hey. I keep bitching them. You keep bitching them, son. Man, <laughs> I love, I love how ingrained like cartoons are into your personality. Like you talk about uh, Mel Blanc and and doing the old school Warner Brother cartoons and stuff influencing you as a kid and moving forward into doing your different theater and whatnot uh and and all the different uh roles you took on there uh but I got to know was there any person when you were in the vo- in your voice in your era of voice acting is there has there been any one like celebrity or or I guess famous person type that you have been able to work with that's been like, wow, I didn't, you know, like, this is a cool job, but I never expected to work with blank. Uh, not yet. When you say work with, I assume you being being in the same production or room with, that hasn't happened as of yet, but okay. I really can't think of anybody. Well, I mean, I mean, I can't. In that van, except for maybe like a James Earl Jones or somebody like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of him, you know, his voice and everything. Little known fact about James Earl Jones, he had a speech impediment when he was growing up. Really? Yeah, he had a horrible, terrible stutter. He could barely get through a sentence, but obviously he overcame that. (laughs) I mean, one of the most most legendary voices in the Yeah, they just recently redid The Lion King and he's of course, Mufasa, and uh, that ought to be interesting to watch. I guess they just see they just CGI the lips on the animals now. They don't put the peanut butter in their mouth like Mister Red. <laughs> yeah, they 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 can afford to. I'm Mister Red. Wilbur. Old school black and white yeah. TV at its best. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Andy Griffith show and whatnot, but uh, okay, so uh, so. Let's get into the like the last little couple questions I have here before we go. The real one I want to know is um, 
is there something coming up for you, some upcoming work you have going on that you can talk about that you want to promote here or discuss? Nothing that I can talk about, no. Nothing that you can talk about. So it's all under wraps. I love it. That means there's... Yeah, it's under wraps. Seriously, though, it is. I love secret but, projects. Uh, I just, I just been plugging along, man. You know, just auditioning here and there. Looking for the next convention. Matter of fact, it says here you're in Illinois. Yes, I am. You know where Primary Colors is in Lincoln, Illinois? Comic book shop? Yeah. I'm going to be there signing autographs in a few months. I think it's, ooh, what I wanna, when I'm going to say this is going to occur. It might be somewhere between April and June. Cool. Uh, if you look up Primary Colors, talk to the guys over there. They, they, they look, it up, look it up on Facebook. You'll see my mug shot. Okay, let's look it up there. Here. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be uh, Lincoln. I think it's April 13th, the beginning of April 13th. Primary colors in Lincoln, Illinois. It's a one day thing, so you guys listening out there, come check me out. I'm gonna be there signing autographs and being my French fried, lightly crispy, and salted self. And having to answer mm-hmm. a lot of strange fan questions, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm different in the flesh than I am on the phone. Okay, so... Somehow that didn't come out quite white, did it? No, it sounds fine. You're you're doing great. Uh, it says here... I'm different Sat- in the flesh than I am on the phone, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday, April 13th from noon to 4, you will be at uh, Primary Color Retro Relics in... Oh, you found it. ...in Lincoln, Illinois. Yes, it did, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. I will be in the house, so... Come check me out. Get an autograph. Get a pick. Yes. Yeah, we can talk come. some smack, talk some shit, and uh, hang out with the fry man, baby. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to say thank That's you right. so much for being a part of the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and, and learn about your story. Pleasure's mine. Pleasure's uh, all mine, sir. Uh, before we go, I like to do the plugs before we get out here. So, as always, po- folks can check out the Voice of Survival podcast right here on the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Just search Journey Into Comics Network or patreon.com backslash Journey Into Comics. Give us a dollar for early access and exclusive content. For those of you giving us a dollar, you're getting this episode about a month early, so be excited for that one. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of The Voice of Survival. Carrie, thank you so much for talking with me, man. It's been a pleasure. Not a problem, man. You have a good one. All right. You too as well. Take care, folks. And this has been The Voice of Survival. I'm Nate. Later. Peace.